The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this football Friday on this uh, October the 22nd, 2021. This is 702 on your Tucson Friday morning. Beautiful Friday morning here. And uh, we have a fantastic show here scheduled for you, uh, the Jeff Dean Show, over the next two hours here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. As we are in Tucson's only local morning sports talk show and plenty of things to get into regarding football there was uh, we may sprinkle a little baseball and some basketball in there but i've got a ton of of football to talk about obviously as a big game tonight under the stadium lights at arizona stadium as the washington huskies come to town to take on the wildcats wildcats still looking for their first win of the season first win in two years and they you know, look, this is a this is a, a going to be a tough matchup for Arizona. This is going to be another one of those low-scoring type of games. Um, we've seen a, a lot of low-scoring games in the Pac-12 this year, and a lot of it is predicated on quarterback play. We talked about that yesterday. Just how how, how you know starved this conference is for quarterback play. I mean, honestly, the entire country is kind of starved for quarterback play right now. Uh, the NCAA is, is, you know, as far as college football um, in in the Division One uh, you know, scenario goes, or FBS, or what do you want to call them, uh, quarterback play has not been great. You know, we we look across the country and we, you know, we see a lot of teams out there that uh, that are putting up big points. And yes, you know, there are there are some quarterbacks that are playing extremely well, but it seems like for a couple of weeks we have one guy that we've been touting as you know kind of a Heisman favorite, whether it's Spencer Rattler. When you know Oklahoma moved on from him, I can't remember. I mean, I don't think I can ever remember a a, a Heisman hopeful, somebody who was really high in the Heisman like percentage rates or like prediction rates. They got benched for another player for non-injury. That happened with Spencer Rattler earlier this year at Oklahoma, and Caleb Williams has looked really good. I mean, Oklahoma's offense has looked really good with the freshman Caleb Williams in there. So you know, I, I don't know what. The future for for Spencer Rattler brings. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what his NFL grades are anymore. Um, I haven't checked uh, Mel Kiper's list here in a few weeks, but uh, it's something we'll be looking forward to. You know, as we get closer to the draft, obviously, well, that's like my Christmas is the NFL draft. I absolutely love it. Um, but we'll you know we'll keep a close eye on that. But I mean, honestly, like it seems like quarterback play across the country hasn't been great. Um, you know, and and the quarterbacks that are performing well you know, are at schools that you're just kind of like, oh, I, I didn't realize they were throwing the football that much. You know, like Virginia, uh, Pitt, which we'll talk about later. You know, some of those schools, um, you know, Grayson McCall over at Coastal Carolina, they got the loss um, on Wednesday, though, against App State in, in Boone. We talked about that for a moment. But, you know, I mean, they're coming from the unlikely, you know, the unlikely people, the unlikely schools in college football. It does, it's not like, you know, and, and yes, Ohio State has a, you know, has a quarterback who's performing extremely well right now. C.J. Stroud is throwing the ball like crazy. Their schedule has obviously lightened up midway through this season. Um, the Big Ten is not nearly as difficult this year as it has been in the past. I just feel like the overall, just watching 
watching the games, I feel like the like the overall just level of play in college football is just down this year. And I can't tell if defenses are up, like if it's if it's the fact that you know the defenses are playing much better. And look, this is going to be a very heavy defensive draft this year in the, uh, the upcoming uh, in April in the NFL draft. It's going to be a very heavy uh, defensively focused draft. There are going to be a lot of defensive players taken. And, you know, there are some people saying that the best player in the country is, uh, you know, the kid down in Georgia, the defensive tackle in Georgia, um, whose name escapes me for the for the moment. But um, I just feel like it, it's it's been a little bit of a lackluster year. When, you know, when we're used to seeing fireworks and, you know, big plays and, you know, tons of, you know, points being put on the board, you know, it's really been held to just a few teams, a handful of teams. Obviously, Ole Miss has put up a million points this year, Tennessee. And even when they played last Saturday, you know, the score, I mean, they, they were held, I think, 23 points under the over-under in that game, which is a lot um, to be held under. The over-under was 83. But, you know, it just seems like offenses to me have just been sputtering a little bit. I think it's a lot of it is predicated on quarterback play, uh, specifically here in the Pac-12. You, I mean, you look up and down the Pac-12 at the quarterbacks here, you don't see much. I mean, you, you really don't. If you're an NFL scout and you're shopping for quarterbacks, you probably don't even really make a trip out to the Pac-12 except to maybe look at some freshmen in practice. But you're not looking at the guys that are playing. And it's interesting to think about you know, who's, you know, who's sitting on the sidelines right now. And, you know, they're asking the same questions in Notre Dame with uh with Buckner uh they're asking some of the same questions in uh Wisconsin you know right now as well as you know they're starting a freshman where they could have been starting a you know a more seasoned player and they're having problems we're going to talk about Wisconsin coming up a little bit later on in my Friday five uh at eight o'clock as I break down uh, all the uh the biggest games in college football this weekend and I mean look let's be honest the games this weekend both in college and the NFL it's kind of a I don't know. It's kind of a watered down week just for like for matchup football. You don't see the big sexy matchups. I mean, there's there's a few games in the NFL that are that are tasty. You know, I mean, Colts and 49ers. That's kind of a big one. Uh, Chiefs and Titans, Bengals, Ravens should be fun. But that's about it. I mean, there's there's three games where the, the spread is more than 12 and a half points, which you never see in the NFL. I mean, very rarely would you see. A 12-point spread, a 13-point spread. For you. There's an 18-point spread in the NFL this weekend, Cardinals and Texans. Um, it's just you don't see it that often. And look, I think I think I was talking about it yesterday or the day before. You know, I feel like there's fewer bad teams in the NFL, but the teams that are bad are really bad. Normally we see 8 to 10 teams that you're like, ah, that team's bad, that team's bad, that team's bad. I think this year there's about five teams, four or five teams. That are, you can just say yeah, they're bad teams. Those are teams that are going to get blown out week to week, and they do. You know, the Dolphins, the Jags, the Lions, the Texans, all in that list of bad football teams. But then you've got a lot of really good teams as well, and that's indica- indicated by the, the records. You know, 6 and O's. There's you know the Cardinals are six and zero. There's a bunch of five and one teams. There's several four and two teams that a lot of people consider to be really good football teams. Buffalo's four and two right now, so it, it's you know it's it's still very competitive. But this week, oh boy, I mean not a whole lot of great matchups. And in college football, there's not a single game that features two ranked teams playing one another. So it's kind of a weekend where we can just sit back and just 
I guess maybe just enjoy some of the games. Maybe maybe take in a game that you that you haven't uh, you know a team that you haven't watched before. You know, I have some some picks in my Friday Five that you know, games that normally we would never feature in the Friday Five. But you know, I like it, it's as opposed to to bringing on like the you know the most you know the sexiest teams out there. You know, I'm not going to predict the Ohio State Indiana game. It's a, like a 22 and a half point spread. That doesn't do you any good. Um, I mean, I know those games are tough to pick, but I'm, I'm going to feature the games that are a little bit closer. Spreads are a little bit closer. Matchups are a little bit closer. A little more intriguing. You know, game could swing on a field goal somewhere here and there. So we'll help you with some of those tougher, uh, those tougher, tougher picks coming up in hour number two. We'll also uh, discuss, like I said, we'll we'll throw in a little baseball as the Dodgers Dodgers win last night, and uh, you know they get a big night from well the entire offense, but you know three home runs, and you know they win the game eleven to two, and it's one of those situations where I'm I'm kind of watching. I wasn't paying close attention. I was working last night. Um, I wasn't paying as close attention as I normally would be. And again, like I said, I ever since. Gabe Morales jobbed the Giants out of uh, a chance at getting back in that game in the bottom of the ninth in game five of the DS. I haven't been paying as close attention to baseball as probably I normally would. I'm just kind of sour right now being a you know giant pity party for me. But you, you, see, you see situations like this, a team that has been struggling to score runs throughout this series, and we knew it was going to be a lower scoring series in the, the Dodgers and Braves series. We just knew it was going to be. Not only the Dodgers... Um, beat up offensively, but you know, hey, the, you know the, the Braves can Braves can actually pitch too. So uh, you see an offensive explosion like that with eleven runs in the game last night, and you can't help but think, did they score all the runs they had left in this series in one game? It's something you, you you have to you have to think about. We've seen it before. It's you see it happen in a, in a in a series where a team scores. 13 runs in the first game, and you're like, man, we, you know, they really, offense is really clicking. And then they score 2 1 0 3 2 the rest of the series. And you say, yeah, they kind of, they kind of loaded up all in one game when they didn't necessarily need to. Now, granted, you're not going to stop pouring it on. You're, you're up there to hit. You take your swings, and you see what happens. And it just kept, you know, runners kept crossing the plate last night uh, for the Dodgers. But you, you can't help but think that maybe the 11 runs in the game last night was maybe too many because, <laughs> you know, you're not going to score 10 runs a game against the Braves in the final two of the series. So you're going to figure out how to scrape across a couple of runs in the upcoming game six, which is coming up uh, over the weekend. So uh, we'll have that for you on uh, on Monday. as We'll know the World Series matchup on Monday too. Uh, do the Red Sox come back? Do they get a win? Or do the Astros put them away? And can the Dodgers win two in a row to defeat the Braves just like they did last year after being down 3-1? So we'll uh, we'll have some of that for you on Monday. Uh, there was some great basketball played last night as well. Steph Curry was absolutely cooking 25 points in the first quarter. He was spectacular. And the Warriors had to hang on against the Clippers as the Clippers – had a had a good look at a shot at the end of the at the end of the game there, but it wouldn't have counted. It came after the buzzer. Paul uh, Paul George's shot uh, occurred after the buzzer, so it wouldn't count anyways. But a one fifteen one thirteen win for the Warriors. Uh, I saw that the the Milwaukee Bucks got absolutely destroyed. What was forty two points uh, to the Miami Heat down in Miami? Look, these these things happen in the NBA. You just run up against a juggernaut. You're not ready to play. Whatever happens, uh, but the Miami Heat 
put away the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks last night. And uh, we'll talk. We may talk a little a little NBA because they did unveil the uh, the 75th anniversary team um, over the last few days. I may get into that with some snubs. I may hold it till next week uh, for a little more discussion when we don't have other pressing things to get into. We're going to move though to the the game tonight. Of course, we get look. It's it's game day. I'm pumped. I mean, I'm ready. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little nap after the show today and then head down to Tucson and get ready for tonight's game because. I'm super excited to see the Wildcats back in action at Arizona Stadium taking on the Huskies tonight. I have the ticket winners to announce here. Our ticket winners that we had uh, throughout the week, we were register- <clears throat> pardon me, registering to win people via the uh, the text line, and we had a lot of responses. Thank you guys for uh, for the feedback and for the great responses to the uh, to the contest all week. And we do have our two winners. Our winners for the tickets, my tickets to tonight's game are Ben Trimble and Dean Valencia. So Ben Trimble and Dean Valencia, you are the winners of my tickets to tonight's game. Congratulations. Thank you for uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging in the uh, in the contest and thank you for being a fan an Arizona Wildcat fan and uh, enjoy the game tonight. We'll uh, we'll text those tickets over to you here momentarily. You'll have them in your phones. Just walk up to the gate. Make sure you keep your sleep function on your phones up to like 30 minutes before you get into the into the game itself. Once you get into the game, you can turn it back to five minutes or 30 seconds or whatever you want. But uh, keep that sleep function off because that's some of the slowdown that we're experiencing at the gates at the games is people's phones are shutting off and they have to reinitiate, whether it's facial recognition and people wearing hats and it doesn't work and they got to take their hat off or they can't get their, their code punched in and it puts an extra load on the uh, on the uh, on the Wi-Fi system and all that stuff. Just have it open, have it ready to go. Keep your sleep mode turned off, and uh, just flash them your phone. Boom, scan it. You're in, and, uh, and then you can do whatever you like with your phone. Uh, but congratulations to Ben and Dean, and enjoy the game tonight. Bear down. Hopefully, we can put together a win for y'all, and uh, we can celebrate. I I talked to uh, my buddies from they do a they do a podcast a podcast that I started several years ago called Wildcat Country, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. And we had some great guests on and got to talk to some great people. And I kind of passed off the torch to uh, to my two buddies, and they're now carrying the, the podcast. I talked to them this week, and um, we were talking. And the, the, the joke is is that, you know, we're, we're going to rush the field when, you know, if and when. I mean, it's going to happen. Arizona's going to win a football game. Uh, I, hope it's, I hope it's a home game. I'm going to rush the field. It may take me half an hour to get there from my perch atop the stadium. <laughs> but I'm going to rush the field. It might be 30 minutes later, but I'll get there. Got to wait for the uh, elevator that takes a half an hour to go up and down the, the press box there. But uh, it'll be fun. So Arizona versus Washington tonight at Arizona Stadium at 730. Uh, Jetfish talked with the media yesterday. Not a whole lot to glean from that other than just, you know, in, in, you know the injury updates, uh, depth chart updates. He did talk about head coach Steve Spurrier coming to talk with the team. I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, I think a lot of, of Steve Spurrier, I feel very, think very highly of him as a, as a football coach. He's done a lot of innovative things in his time, and he's won a lot of football games, two losing seasons in his entire career in college football, and he coached at places like Duke. So, yeah, um, it, it, was, it, was, it was probably a real treat for those players to, uh, to have the, oh, the head ball coach in there and uh, him talking to the, to the team. We'll talk about some of the things that he said to the team, some of the inspiration that he gave them, and his experiences 
in turning Duke into an ACC champion. And we'll talk about that. I also have my three keys to an Arizona victory that we'll be talking about here in our number one because, you know, <laughs> it's like I said, it's going to happen at some point in time. It's got to happen at some point in time. Why not tonight against a team who is really struggling to move the ball and score? Um, and we'll have that all kind of broken down here for you as I get ready to preview and predict uh, tonight's game. Not predict, but preview and break down tonight's game and, and the keys to an Arizona victory. We'll have also have an injury update and, and a uh, depth chart update for you as well going into tonight's game. NFL Week 7 rolls on, and FanDuel Sportsbook wants you to get the most out of every play. That's why they're giving everyone a $10 risk-free bet every single week. All you have to do is bet one of those same-game parlay bets with three legs or more, and if your bet doesn't win, FanDuel is going to pay you back those $10 that you laid down. Now, this Sunday, the beleaguered Texans roll into Glendale to take on the surging Cardinals and Kyler Murray, who is playing at an MVP level. And I've got an, M- I've got an SGP already put together uh, for the game. Just need to wait for it to go live 24 hours before. I'm going to do the Cardinals' money line, James Conner over rushing yards, and then to kind of, like, tease the you know the the ROI a little bit more kind of bring up the uh the risk value I'm going to add in a Cardinals defensive or special teams touchdown just because I kind of want it to pay out a little more I believe very strongly in the Cardinals money line I believe very strongly in James Conner over rushing yards so I'm kind of I don't want to take it easy I kind of want to you know make things exciting so while I'm watching the game hoping to root for a Cardinals defensive or special teams touchdown and uh, hopefully be able to walk up and cash in that ticket because i got to be honest with you folks, nailing one of those SGPs, <laughs> they're fun, man. They're fun. Three legs, four legs, five legs. I've gone as deep as five legs before on some of them. And it's cool because on the app, you can pick as many as you want. There's tons of markets to choose from. It's safe and secure. It's easy to use. And they're paying you out fast. Like, you know, all along we've said it's been 24-hour payouts. I'm getting paid out in like 30 minutes in times. Like it's it's really really fast, which you won't get with anybody else. It's America's number one sports book for a reason. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up today with my promo code Dean. You can also receive 30 to one enhanced odds on the game between the uh, the Texans and the Cardinals, which is awesome. You can bet five bucks and get a hundred and fifty dollars return. 30 to one odds. That's about as good as it gets, especially for a, a game like this. It's got an 18 point spread on it. But you got to use my promo code Dean so that they know that I sent you. That, of course, is exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over in present in Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same-game parlays are available for multiple sports in all states and mobile and web. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. When we return, what the head ball coach had to say to the Wildcat football team as well as my three keys to victory. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Jetfish has been bringing in some, some great guest speakers throughout the season to talk to his football team. And earlier this week, he was on uh, Wednesday when he brought in his uh, his other his new guest speaker for this week, a guy that gave him his start in college football, a guy who Jed followed around for 450 days, putting a post-it note on his car every single day, begging him for the opportunity to work inside of his program. 
and the head ball coach Steve Spurrier was on campus uh, throughout the, during the week talking to the team. Now he he spoke to the team. He gave him a you know basically sent him a message that look you know I I won football games at Duke and if you can win there you can win anywhere and he's right I mean you know he's he he did you know turn that Duke program around for a little bit I mean he was only there for a few years um, but uh, let's let's be let's be honest here let's 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 talk facts because I've seen some people um, you know whether it's online or or whatever talking to people about these kinds of things, like, well, it just shows you what a difference in, you know, coaching can do for you. Basically saying that, you know, Steve Spurrier can do it, but Jed Fish is not not capable of it. Okay, first of all, we don't know that. Okay. Uh, second of all, Steve Spurrier is an all-timer, the Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame coach. He achieved it at every school that he ever went to. He's had two losing seasons in his, t- his entire career. Uh, there's a, a plenty that can be said about Steve Spurrier's career. Um but let's call it like it is. You know, I think, the, you know, the way that the story was, was construed, the way the story was written, uh, people believe it was just like he showed up at Duke and they were 0-10 and they went and won the ACC his first year. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the way it went down, okay? 1989 is the season he's talking about at Duke when they won the ACC. Now, granted... That was a huge moment for them because it was the first time Duke had won the ACC since 1962. And, pardon me, got a sneeze here. <laughs> Trying to get rid of that. Stirred up a little dust. Um, he, the, the, it was his third season at Duke that they that they ended up winning the ACC title. And it wasn't like he took over a team that was completely barren. Um, when you look at you know when you when you look at Duke in the previous years, you know his his first year there they went five and six. It's one of his first losing seasons or one of his two losing seasons in his uh, in his coaching history. But he was taken over for a coach who had been there for four seasons. They went four and seven the year before Spurrier took over. They were two and five in the conference, um, and you know yeah they were losing games you know pretty badly. They played some. Played some pretty good football teams there. But it wasn't like, you know, he just walked in and was like the Messiah, you know, floating down from the heavens and, uh, you know, rescuing Duke and taking them from 1-9 and nine or, you know, 0-10 or whatever it was. Uh, th- this is not a similar situation to what Arizona is facing. Arizona is in a far, far dire situation than Duke was in 1987 when Steve Spurrier took him over. I'm not trying to take anything away from Steve Spurrier. What I'm trying to do is put it into context here of just how different the two situations are, just how high, uh, you know, steep of a of a mountain, Jed Fish has to climb here at Arizona. Now, when he spoke about his his third season at Duke, and they you know they won the ACC by beating Clemson, they beat number seven Clemson that year, and then they rattled off six more in a row, including a forty-one nothing thrashing of North Carolina in Chapel Hill when they were when they were able to claim the co-championship. Uh, they were co-champions with Virginia that year, by the way, uh, a team that they lost to, which is weird to have a co-championship to a team that you lost to. But, hey, that's the way things were in the AP area. <laughs> um, Duke hasn't won an ACC title since. So it was 1962 was the, the, the time that they had won before Spurrier got there, and they haven't won one since. So the only time that they've won one was under Steve Spurrier in his third year, and that was the only time in, what is that, 69 years, 59 years, 60 years, 
that uh, that they've won an ACC title. They certainly win it this year. But I thought what he, you know, the message he gave to the team was interesting. He said that that in that turnaround and in that season, that it came down to spirit, effort, and a common goal. Essentially, he used the word spirit, and you know, it's an interesting word because it can have multiple meanings. I think what it does is it's an all-encompassing word when talking about team sports is, you know, kind of all of those things kind of wrapped in one, whether it's, you know, it's, it's, it had nothing to do with talent. It was all about effort, leadership, sharing a common goal, going out there and putting in the work. You know, it was, it was the spirit of, of winning, the spirit of, of, of having pride in yourself, um, and and having trust in the man to your left, the man to your left, to your man to your right, and going out there and just winning football games. And you know, once they got that big win against Clemson, you know, they kind of just started to rattle things off. You know, they scored a ton of points that season. Um, and this is you know, this is an era you know in the '80s where it wasn't exactly like just you know put hang 50 on the board. It wasn't all that often, but you know, they had 35, 46, scored 52 against Wake Forest, 41 nothing against North Carolina. So you know, I mean that that was. You know, that was a really good football team. And it like you said, it wasn't because of talent. It was because they played together. They played for one another. And once they started to gain the confidence, that's when things started to roll. Now, I'm not saying that one win for Arizona is going to create this swell of confidence that allows them to win their final six games of the season and become bowl eligible. That's not what I'm saying. But it, it is a it's a huge thing. Once you get that giant monkey off your back, and it is a tremendously heavy 9,000-pound purple gorilla sitting on their back right now. Um, it, it's it, it's going to change things. The mindset will change once Arizona finally gets that win. How do they get that win? Well, I have my three keys to an Arizona victory, and that's next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this football Friday. The Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Walk is going to look a bit different this year. Instead of a walk, we're going to go for a cruise in our vehicles. It's the Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Caravan this Sunday morning, October the 24th at 8 a.m. It's an event to raise awareness and funds to save lives from breast cancer as we uh, roll through Breast Cancer Awareness Month, the month of October. To get more information on how to be a part of the event or just to make a donation, you can go to ESPNTucson.com. All right, so my three keys to an Arizona victory tonight. Um, it's weird. I, I, I feel like I've been off all week because of the Friday night game. <clears throat> Usually, you know, I'm used to being Saturday night games, and I think I've been off all week. Maybe that was a problem yesterday. I feel better today. I feel great today, actually. Um, so the three keys to an Arizona victory. This is how – this is just kind of, you know, my thoughts when studying what Washington does, what Arizona does, and just kind of the current status of, uh, you know, the, the depth chart and things that Arizona's going to have to do and, and cover up. I mean, there's, they, they're going to cover up a lot of things. Um, in this particular in this particular game, and for the rest of the season, because of uh, the situation in the quarterback position. So, <clears throat> number one, number one key to victory is run the ball. You, you mean you you have to find a way to run the football. The top two running backs on this team right now, you know, at least well, the, the two that are going to be playing the most uh, on uh, tonight 
are averaging just over three yards per carry, which isn't good enough. It's not going to get it done. Okay, So the Huskies right now, 104th in the country against the run. They give up 189 yards per game. They can be had uh, in the running game. You know, I talked about it yesterday for a moment that their secondary is so good. I mean, they've got – Trent McDuffie is is an all-timer as, uh, as a corner. He's still going to be here for another two years probably in the in the Pac-12. He's spectacular. Um, it – I wish he was graduating because then he could be gone, but he's really, really good. Um, the other corner that they have, the other sophomore that they have, uh, Gordon, he's really good as well. They also have Asia Turner, who is their safety, who is really, really good. He can bring it. Um, he's a fantastic football player as well. So they've got a great secondary. No surprise. Jimmy Lake is a, is a secondary's coach. He's a DB's coach and uh, a great recruiter of uh, secondary players. So not surprisingly, they have a very, very good secondary. Well, Arizona can avoid the teeth of their defense by just simply trying to run the football. And I think it's going to be important that we try to get those players off the field. If you can get, you know, Alex Cook off the field, if you can get Asia Turner off the field, if they take their, they pull their safeties and just leave the corners, you know, that's, that's a win for Arizona. If you force them to bring in more linemen or more linebackers, you know, they run that kind of a, you know, it's 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 kind of like a two-down lineman. It's like a two-five kind of look um, where they play like that nickel. It's it's kind of like what the Cardinals do, honestly, what the Arizona Cardinals do, what Vance Joseph does uh, at the NFL level. It's it's a very similar type of scheme. They have some, some Swiss Army knives at linebacker that they can put on the line of scrimmage. They can line them up as a five or a seven or a nine technique. They can play in the middle. They can line them up over a tight end. They can have them covering backs out of the backfield. They're very multiple. It's a young defense, though. It's full of sophomores. Um, I think there's. I think they start seven sophomores on defense. So they can be had in the running game. Arizona's going to have to just commit to running the football any way they can. And honestly, look, you know, I I, I like the occasional jet sweep and, um, you know, misdirection plays and things like that, but Let's just get down to basics here. And I'm talking trap, counter, power, dive. You know, I mean, let's just, let's, uh, let's just get down to the basics and see if we can just man up and push and get an offensive push with the offensive line. Uh, you know, as someone who played the position, I can tell you right now, the last thing you want to do is pass protect 55 times a game. <laughs> you just, it sucks. You want to run the football. You want to push guys. You want to you want to get into that into that feeling where you're firing off the football and don't have to wait. Okay, you want to be able to run the football, and I think Arizona can run the football. Like I said, Huskies are 104th in the country against run. They're very good against the pass. I think they're number three in the country against the pass. Go figure. <laughs> um, and they're going to get from what I from what I gather, I believe they're getting their pass rush specialist back this week. Uh, also, Zion uh, Tapola Fatui who's been gone, um, he suffered an Achilles tendon tear last season, and he's back, and I think he's going to get some reps this uh, this weekend tonight. So he's their pass rushing specialist. It'll be interesting to see if he has a uh, if he has an effect on the game uh, as well. So that's my number one key to victory. Number two, I did a little dive into the problems that Dylan Morris has been having. He's thrown a ton of interceptions. He's thrown eight interceptions this year, eight touchdowns. He's also been having some problems with it looks like maybe his arm angle is a little funky at times. Like he kind of short arms ball or he tries to kind of sidearm it or something. I can't quite figure it out. But 
the one thing that was that was you know basically the common denominator in all of it was pressure. You have to pressure quarterback Dylan Morris if you want to get him into making mistakes, making quicker throws, throwing the football. I think he's thrown the ball out of bounds like 17 times this year, which it's quite a bit actually, um, and all of them have come off of pressures. If you look at his PFF grades, it backs it up. His PFF grades against pressure are abysmal. He completes 41% of his passes and has thrown three interceptions when he's got pocket pressure. And he's also not very good against the blitz. You know, you can tell a lot of times how a quarterback is going to carve you up or just how good they are at playing the quarterback position when you see guys that are really good against the blitz. I mean, we see it all the time. They're like, today against the blitz, so-and-so, and Tom Brady was you know, 69% completion percentage against the blitz. That's a situation where you recognize early where the blitz is coming from, and you're able to throw the ball into the area where the blitz came from. You, you leave, you know, they leave the area open, you throw to that area, it leads to a very high percentage rate of completions. <clears throat> Dylan Morris has not been able to do that. He's thrown two picks. <clears throat> My goodness. He's thrown two picks. I better get it out now before I go to the stadium tonight. He's thrown two picks against blitzes this year, and he's only completing 52% of his passes. So on the defensive side of the ball, yes, they do have to stop the run. That's imperative, obviously. But you have to get pressure on Dylan Morris. Pressure has been better this year with Don Brown's defense, but it hasn't been good enough. I feel like Jalen Harris still has a lot of work to do in the backfield, and I'd like to see him get turned loose tonight. I really would. If you can pressure Dylan Morris, you can pressure him into making mistakes or at least just throwing the ball out of bounds because he's done it a lot, a lot, a lot. And finally, my final key to victory, and this this goes all the way back to the San Diego State game, the NAU game, and every game since. Stop shooting yourselves in the foot. And I'm, it, it, shooting yourselves in the foot, that is a, a, a minor injury compared to what the Wildcats have done to themselves in the previous four weeks. They've shot themselves in the face in the previous weeks. Eight penalties per game, which right now I believe is 117th in the country out of 130 teams. Way too many penalties. And the real problem with those penalties is that they're occurring at crucial times. They have wiped out. I can't even I can't even count the amount of third and shorts they have wiped out this year with pre-snap penalties, false start penalties. They have wiped out third down conversions this year with penalties. I mean, it has been an epidemic of mistakes on third down. You cannot you cannot continue to do that, the, these these crucial mistakes appearing, you know, occurring at crucial times, ain't going to get it done. You have to be better than that, especially against a team like Washington. I think Washington leads the Pac-12 in fewest penalties per game. They're ninth in the country in fewest penalty average, just over four penalties per game. They are not going to beat themselves. You have to make sure you don't beat yourselves as well. So when people say that Arizona has shot themselves in the foot. I, I take it a step further. They've shot themselves in the face. They have crushed any hopes of converting third downs in so, so many occasions. And honestly, a lot of those have come inside the 25-yard line too, the plus 25. Those are just absolute killers. 
I, I can't. I mean, my blood is boiling. I'm getting. I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it. I can only imagine what that coaching staff is going through, thinking about the 18 penalties that have knocked them out of scoring range, or the you know the, the multitude of penalties that have erased third down conversions, giving them a fresh set of downs inside the red zone, or the multitude of mistakes, mental errors that have caused them to go from a third and three to a third and eight and force them into you know, obvious situations where they're going to be throwing the football, which has not been Arizona's forte this year. You have to stop making those mistakes, those mental mistakes that put your team in bad situations. Have to do it. Because it, it, right now, it, it just ain't getting it done. 117th in the country in, in penalties, and most of those coming on third downs and in crucial situations can't do it. It's, it's got to stop. And you know what? It's not on the coaches anymore. This is not on the coaches. The coaches have spoken about this until they're blue in the face. I guarantee it. This is about those players holding each other accountable. They have to look to their man to their left, look to the man to their right, and they have to hold one another accountable, arm in arm, step by step. If there is no accountability within the team, within that locker room, then these, these things will continue to happen. These mistakes will continue to happen. So there you go. Run the football. Huskies are ripe for it. If Arizona can find a running game, they can take a lot of pressure off of Will Plummer in that passing game, and that will make things a lot easier. Pressure the quarterback. Dylan Morris makes tons of mistakes when he's under pressure. Bring everybody you can. Bring the house. I don't care. Bring 10. I do not care. Pressure that guy. And stop shooting yourselves in the foot with stupid penalties. Try to stay focused. Make sure that your mind is right. Get ready for the game. Understand the task at hand and take it one play at a time. There you go. Those are my keys to victory. Look, it's there. Arizona can beat this team. A lot of people picked, including myself, Washington to win the conference this year. Or not, well, win the North. I picked them to win the North. Some people had them win the conference. I still have Utah. I had Utah winning the conference. I still, still I believe that will happen. But, you know, this team is not, not what they advertise themselves to be, the Huskies. Offensively, they're terrible. They can't run the football, even though they're getting one of their tailbacks back, uh, uh, McGrew. Sean McGrew's coming back this week. Uh, they're 113th in the country running the football. They're 100th in scoring. They're averaging 17 points a game outside of the Arkansas State game where they hung 52 on the Red Wolves. And it took them overtime to get 31 against Cal. Last week they scored 17 against UCLA. If Arizona can hold Washington to 17 or fewer, got a good shot at winning this football game. I, I honestly believe that. Even with Will Plummer, the third-string quarterback, playing back there, I think Arizona does have a shot at winning this thing. It's going to take, gonna take a, a Herculean effort. It's going to take 85 men coming together with a common goal and having the spirit, like the head ball coach talked to them about earlier this week. But it can be done. Coming up next, the Arizona injury update. Who's going to be on the field tonight for the Wildcats? Who's not going to be on the field? We'll have that next here for you on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. 
I am Jeff Dean here with you on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show on a football Friday. It's game day. Wildcats and Huskies tonight at Arizona Stadium. Kickoff is at 7.30. Hope you guys come out to the game. It's going to be beautiful weather, first of all. So come out and enjoy the game. It's Friday night. We want to see you out there. We want the fans. We need the fans. Look, home field advantage is a real thing. I've talked about it so many times on this show. Uh, it, it, it cannot be absolutely cannot be denied. Now, when you talk about the injury update situation, it's it's not looking good for Arizona. They've got a couple of offensive linemen that are that are questionable. They're kind of game time decisions, including Josh McCauley, the anchor of the offense at center, who's ha- played every snap so far this year. Peyton Fears, uh, he's you know he's banged up. Donovan Laye, tough guy. He's going to be – he's banged up, but he's going to play. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, Keon Bars, it doesn't sound good for Keon, which is really bad for Arizona. He's been probably Arizona's most consistent player on defense this year. I mean, just – you know, just from the announcer standpoint where we're spotting uh, the players, where uh, my spotter Matt and I are, are kind of spotting the players – you're looking for things to happen at the point of attack, and we're always ready to pull the trigger on number 92, Keon Bars, because he's always around the ball. Um, it's it, that's a that's a huge loss. That's going to be a bigger loss than people are giving credence to. Um, that's going to be a huge one. Also, not having Trayshawn Hayward for whatever personal reasons are going on. Not playing middle linebacker. He's a tackling machine. He plays with an edge. He plays with you know. You can kind of sense a feeling of anger from him when he plays. Apparently that anger is poured off the field as well because things are not uh, sounding good as far as Trayshawn Hayward and his team goes. So uh, some of the injury updates, obviously we know about uh, the quarterback situation. And then Michael Wiley and Drake Anderson may be game-time decisions as well. So Wildcats may be running with a two-man backfield. Bam Smith uh, may get some reps as well. We'll talk about a whole lot more in the world of college football and the NFL. Stay tuned. It's a quick two-minute turnaround right here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.